Hey, it's Lisa Ann here. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the More Than Social podcast. I'm a digital marketing expert, self-development junkie, and your go-to for all things marketing, ads, and automation. I'm so excited that you popped by to hang out with me today, so let's dive right into the topic. Hey there, welcome back to another episode on the More Than Social podcast. I am excited for this episode. I feel like I say that actually every week, but really excited for this episode because we're going to do something a little bit different. I want to get into the nitty gritty of what it actually takes to run a successful business when you're doing it 100% online. So I am bringing on my podcast producer, Simona, who is going to share with you the behind the scenes of what it takes to run a podcast production agency. She has an incredible team that I work with every single week. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear what she has to say, but more so just see the back end of all of this. So even for myself, you see everything on the front end, but you don't actually see what we do behind the scenes. So that's more so what I want to dive in today. So I'm going to keep it brief. Let's bring Simona right on. Hey, Simona, welcome to the More Than Social podcast. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Of course. Welcome back, I should say, actually. I know. I feel like I get a regular spot here once a year. There you go. That's all, that's. We'll keep it going with that. Route. I think that, what this is your third episode. I think. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. actually, we did that full series, the podcast series as well. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So we had the full series. We had the initial podcast episode, and then I interviewed you and Brian. That was so much fun. And then here we are yeah. now talking about business. I love this for us. Here we are. Amazing. So if you know Simona, she always says, I love that for you. So I love it for me that you're actually on this episode again. But I just introduced us and wanted to talk about more the behind the scenes of what it actually takes to run a business. We all know from a front end perspective with social media, we see all the more the glamorous side of running a business. But you and I know it's it's hard work. There's lots that we actually do behind the scenes and it's not something that we can necessarily do on our own. So before we dive into the nitty gritty about business, why don't you just give a quick little recap of who you are, what you do and how you even got it to the spot that you're at right now. Okay. That's a great question. So I will start with the first thing that comes to mind for me with this, Lisa, is in many ways, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. And I know people say that and people say it over and over again, but the reason why I'm saying it today is because it truly is not. When you run your own business, you are so many different things to so many different people, which is such a blessing and it's so incredible. But I think when I think back to my journey, I didn't realize how much actually went into it. And so when I started my business, I started it before the pandemic happened. So I know you've been in business for, what are you, eight years now? Eight years, just over eight, eight years, which is crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> and for, for me, it's been since like 2018, 2019. So I launched my first podcast called Happiness Happens in 2018, end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And then after I launched that podcast, some friends started reaching out and they would say, you know, oh, can you help me launch my show or can you teach me what you did and whatever, whatever. But I didn't even think or consider doing anything in the podcast production space until the pandemic happened, actually. And not to harp on that time of our life too, too much, but it was the transformative time for myself personally because I always wanted to go out into business on my own. I always wanted to run my own business. I always wanted to to be my own boss, if you will. Like I, I hated the thought of sitting at a desk and letting someone tell me when I can go for a walk. You know, I remember I had this one boss, Lisa, and she 
would always get mad at me and she would yell at me when I would go for a walk at lunch. And I would think to myself, I'm like, it's 30 minutes of activity. Like, how am I not allowed to go for a walk for 30 minutes? And I was like, ah, this is not the life for me. So I started freelancing when I was still working in corporate. I did a lot of video production. I did a lot of audio production. I produced my podcast and I was on Fiverr. And that's how my business started was on Fiverr. And I just started taking on different clients. Then when the world shut down, I was like, well, I'm going to transfer all of these clients to my own production uh, company, like within my own company, instead of just doing them through Fiverr. So I gave them a little bit of a better deal, uh, better, better rates, better package, and I started to build. And what happened from there was honestly incredible. So I launched my services officially in March of 2021, and they sold out in 72 hours. And it has been nonstop ever since. Amazing. And when you say nonstop, guys, like she actually means nonstop. She's one of the busiest agencies that I know. (laughs) So I'm grateful to be one of those clients. But you know what? I didn't even know that you started on Fiverr. So that's cool. I know. And you know what's funny? I also still have a profile on Fiverr and I'll get a little, like, requests here and there. But it's become a very interesting and not expected lead generation source for me mm-hmm. because you know, you're not supposed to do this on Fiverr, but it, you know, you have your profile, but if if you want it to be on a consistent basis, then I'll bring you into my agency. You know what I mean? If it's a one-off project here and there, I'll still do it. But and you know, I really don't do it a whole lot anymore. Maybe it's like a couple thousand a year. So it's like not at all on like the priority scale of things, not at all. But it's a really cool platform to be on because you wouldn't think that that's where, you know, your referral sources could come from. So absolutely. You know, that's really interesting, actually. And I find a lot of people, they always think like, how do I get my first client? So there are platforms out there like Fiverr or Upwork that Mm -hmm. you can have those profiles. But have you found as you've kind of shifted away from Fiverr, is there other lead generation sources that help you grow? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So I have found there are so many different lead generation sources that have worked really well within my agency. One of them has been the networking group that you and I were both in. That's how we met that I'm no longer in, but that you're still in. And that was really cool because I got to meet a lot of really interesting people and got a lot of referrals from people that I never would have met and had, you know, those referrals turn into referrals and so on, so on, so on. Another lead generator for me is my email list. So I think, and you talk about this a lot on your podcast, I don't think entrepreneurs fully grasp all the time the power of their email list. I think it's so important to invest in and to make time and space for. You know, I had a, my list was, I've been working on my list for for a couple of years now and I send out weekly emails and I make sure that they're like themed and, and stuff like that and that they make sense and that they're actually educational and helpful for people. And I went to launch a new product in February of of 2023. And when I launched that product, I had seven people buy from my email list. And I wasn't expecting any of those people to buy from my email list, of course. And so that's seven sales that my agency made that I would not have made otherwise unless I had that list. So Mm -hmm. making sure that you have a really targeted and smart freebie or like free download, free guide, it can be a private podcast feed, it can be a PDF, it could be something exclusive, whatever that thing is, has been a huge source of lead, like lead generation for, for my agency and also just bringing new people into my community. You never know where they're going to land on your purchasing scale, if you will. So having an email list and launching different things and different products and testing and seeing what people tend to gravitate towards has been really cool. 
And I'm really grateful. I have a massive uh, referral network. My clients refer me clients all the time. Their their clients refer me business. So I would say my agency operates on like a 98% referral basis. And then everything else comes in through newsletter. Social media is also good too. People will search, you know, podcast producer in like hashtags and we'll find my page and then they'll send me a DM and we'll hop on a call. But I don't do a lot of cold outreach, which I probably should be better at that, but I don't. And I've tested and played around with some paid ads, mostly for my podcast and generating leads for like leads that turn into downloads for my show. So those are kind Mm -hmm. of all the different sources. But I think the key is making sure that you have them in a strategic way and that you have all of these different assets and they're working together because there's no sense in having Mm -hmm. a newsletter and having social media, but none of the content is talking and none of it makes sense. Like you want to make sure that you have a plan and a strategy behind what you're doing. Absolutely. And can we go back to the whole referral side of things? Because even with my business, it's been eight years now and 90% of my business is coming from referrals. So when you actually are getting referrals from your clients, are you asking them for the referrals or are they just organically coming in? I'm not I'm not asking them for them they are they just organically come in which is amazing and then depending mm-hmm. on the quality of the referral like what kind of sort of service or package they're looking for I have referral bonuses for different levels which I think is a nice incentive too because then my clients are getting a little kickback for referring me to someone they probably would have anyways Cool now is that a financial kickback or what does that yeah. look like Yeah so yeah. usually it's about 10% off, 10 to 20% off of their monthly retainer. And then I just apply it automatically to their retainer. So it makes one of their months a little bit less. And then depending on how many referrals, but I do make sure that when I, when I, when I do this, it has to be on business that's closed. So, you know, you can't just send mm-hmm. a referral and then have it be open business and, and you, you know what I mean? Like the, the referral has to close in order for it to make sense. Cause otherwise I'd be paying out referral money, referral dollars and not sort of getting it not making it would not make sense for my own strategy and my agency (laughs) amazing now do you tell them about the kickback before they send the referral or is it something like you just do kind of after okay I do I mean it depends on both like if someone if someone tells me if one of my clients tells me that they're gonna send me someone my way then I'll say oh okay amazing sounds good if if, I'll let you know if the business closes because I do have a referral program blah 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 and most of the time they're like oh that's so nice and actually a lot of them will say I honestly I don't even need it I'm just happy to send you business and I'm like I love that it's really nice of you (laughs) (laughs) I love that actually there was a podcast episode with Chad which obviously you guys Mm. produced for me he actually mentioned that you should do it right off, like tell them right off the bat because they're more likely to actually send referrals. But Mm -hmm. in my experience, and it sounds like your experience too, like the more relationships you build with your clients, the better results that you're going to get, it's just organically going to come. So it it really depends on how fast you want those referrals to come in, in my opinion. But that episode alone gave a lot of awesome ideas. Like you're doing financial rewards at this point, but depending on your audience, if they don't need the financial kickback, is there anything else? that you could do mm-hmm. to get them. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, That's That was such a great episode too. I really love that. And you know, of course, I throw in extra things. You do this too in your agency, but I throw in extra things too. Like I have a membership. So if you're a client of mine on a retainer, you get access, free access to the membership. You know, you get consulting hours where most people don't do that. You, you know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. there's a lot of benefits, but when I built my business, I wanted to make sure that the business was built with intention. And I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that, 
my clients felt super cared for and super valued because I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of being an agency client just from past corporations that I've worked for. And the agencies don't care about you. You're just another number and another paycheck. And I never wanted any of my clients to feel that way. Like I really want my clients to feel like they have a partner in what they're doing and that we blend into their team in a significant way. And I think that we've achieved that because I would say, I mean, we grow every single year. We have you know new and new clients, but I think over the last three years of being in business, we have ended contracts with maybe three clients, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is still here. So I think I got to be doing something right, right? <laughs> I, I, I'll give you a shout out. Yes, you're doing amazing. It does Thank feel you. like you guys are just a part of the team. So good job on that end. But let's dive into that a little bit more. So if you don't want someone to feel like just a number or you're too busy to actually help them in some capacity, how do you manage the increase of workload, your Mm -hmm. team, it's like you obviously do have a team right now, which we can touch on as well, but Mm -hmm. how do you manage the workload increasing, but also keeping that customer service, I'll say, hi. That's a really great question. And something that I've been learning how to navigate and balance over the last year, especially because we've grown so much that in the beginning and still now, my clients will come into the agency because of the calls that I have with them. You know what I mean? And so I think there's a certain energy behind the touch points that we create for for clients. And so what's been really important for me is making sure that my team is of the same values, that we all share the same values and we share the same direction and the same vision for the company. I know that you can go out and you can hire all kinds of help for really, really cheap. You know, it helps your bottom line and, and that's amazing. And I know a lot of people do that. For me, I really thought about the type of team and agency that I wanted to run. I spent a lot of time in my business and I wanted to make sure that every single time I was talking to a client or we were doing client work or we were doing something, I wanted to make sure that my team felt just as valued as my clients do. And so for me, it all starts with what are your core values in life, right? I spent a lot of time, which most people wouldn't think that this is an important exercise, but I spent a lot of time figuring out what my own personal core life values were. And my top few are kindness, care, connection, and honesty. And those are how I run my life. And that is also how I run my business. And so making sure that those top values are present on a day-to-day basis and are present in the client work that we do every day. I feel like when you lead with kindness, you can automatically lead with connection and care and community and honesty and all of those things that even to the point where if something goes wrong or we're going to be delayed on something or we need some more time or we've made a mistake or whatever, because we're all human. People Mm -hmm. make mistakes. It's like we're, we're allowed, but I that's a mindset shift I've got to make for myself. But, you know, we're all allowed. I'm telling myself as I'm telling you, I'm like, Lisa, we are allowed. But when when I think about that, I think it and I tie back to honesty, right? So being able to be honest with my client, like, this is what's going on. So-and-so, you know, is struggling. Not your problem. Totally my problem. We're fixing it. And I'm just going to let you know. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a really important place to be in is being able to have that vulnerability piece with professionalism, of course, because, you know, your clients don't necessarily care. They just want their stuff done, which mm-hmm. fair. And also for me, it's a priority that my team still lives their life 
right? They have kids, they have families, they have dogs, they have parties, birthday parties, trips. Like we're not robots. And so the more that I can do to make sure that everyone feels seen and valued and cared for, the client experience for me is the most important part. And I, I know that the, anyone can produce a podcast. And I've, I've taken over quite a few clients from other production companies. And it all comes down, the difference all comes down to the care and the level of quality that you put into your work. So those mm-hmm. two things are key for me. And then everything else on top of that is a bonus. Amazing. I love it. I love it. So lead with kindness and honesty, mm-hmm. and that will go a long way for you. Now, so in the beginning, obviously, you started as a solopreneur. Mm-hmm. And how have you even grown your team? Like, what did you, is there certain things that you did or a certain breaking point that you hit that you were like, I need someone else? Or like, how did you go from that solopreneur to now to have that full team? That's okay. So Sam is my like right hand hand in business. Her and I have been working together for like three years. We've grown together. We've we've grown the agency together. Like it's it's amazing. She was a referral to me from a coach that I was working for in the past. And that coach had said, you know, Simona, you you're seeing all this success and it's really great and it's really exciting. I think it's time for you to consider bringing somebody else on to help with some of the smaller things that you don't want to do. And I had never worked with a VA before. I had never hired out work. I just did everything myself. And so for me first, it was a huge mindset shift of I don't have to do everything. And one story that I used to tell myself all the time was, but I can't hire this out because no one's going to be able to do it as good as me. And that's a control thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. It's like, I can do it better. I can do it faster. I'll just do it myself. Don't do it. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. Don't do it. It is a control thing. Okay. And it's also Mm -hmm. what I've realized. It's like a fear thing. There's like a little bit of fear that comes in there too. When you you have to trust somebody else to to do the work, right? When your clients are so important to you and your business is so important to you and what you've built and your reputation and your name is on the door, you want to make sure that that service is impeccable. Then I started to realize that service can't be impeccable if I do everything by myself. We went from zero to five clients overnight. And that was five brand new launches and then five management clients after that. And so I remember I was sitting there and I was like creating all this social media content. And I'm like, I don't enjoy this. I don't like doing this. So I started to identify some of the things that I didn't like doing, which for me, creating social media content, like I will do it if I have to, but I do not enjoy it. I'm not creative. I am creative, but I'm not creative in that way. Like I don't like sitting and playing with graphics and all that kind of stuff. Sam is amazing at that, you know? And so I'm like, why would I sit here and think to myself that I'm, I am the best person who can do this job when that's literally the furthest thing from the truth. So I had to start to like shift my mindset and be open to the possibility that somebody else can do this job and they can do it really well and I can learn how to lead and how to guide and how to help them get to the level and the quality that I would want to create. Now she's creating stuff that I couldn't even dream up. I'm like, yes, that's beautiful. Do it again. You know what I mean? I'm like, this is stunning. I love it. (laughs) And And then from an editing point of view, I started to realize that you know, each podcast episode that you do, one podcast episode takes you two hours to edit, okay? That's for like a 60-minute episode. So just double it, essentially. You're doubling your time. And I started to realize that when you're producing 30 podcasts on a weekly basis, that's not enough time in in a week. And I won't, like, that's where we're at now. But even at the time, I think we had like, when I brought Emily on, I think I had like 10, I think somewhere around 10 to 15 clients or something like that, that I was still doing the majority of the editing for. That is a lot of hours in your week. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's like 30 hours of your week, just editing content. 
And so it's like I want I, I started to weigh out the pros and cons, and like the balance of is it really worth my time to sit here and do all this editing, or am I better served in looking at the strategy and making sure the strategy makes sense and finding the social media clips because I really enjoy doing that, finding the social media clips and finding the different hooks and the quotes and stuff like that, and then letting other people who have their zone of genius in those specific things actually do those things. So it's a bit of a mindset shift to get yourself to that point, but I think it's also recognizing what type of life do you want to live, right? Like how much time do you want to spend doing the little things, even though you can do them, you, you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is a mindset shift, but like it's so much easier said than actually done. So if you're listening to this right now and you're just like, yeah, I know, but I'm not going to do it. Just realize it. it's a journey. It definitely is a step that you need to make in order to get to that next level. Mm-hmm. But it's it all comes down to, like you said, Simona, just go to where you want or work on the things that you want to work on, mm-hmm. not necessarily the stuff that you have to work on that will release so much energy, that will release so much time. So you can put time and effort into something else, which is something that I've had to deal with over the last few years too, is just really getting out of that shift that I can do it faster, I can do it better. It's just mm-hmm. saving me even money from an expense side of things. Like there's so many little things that we can talk yeah. about around this, but oh it's just God. like realize you're only one person and you don't have to do it all alone. I think that's the biggest yeah. thing. And there are there are other people better than you. You're just the person that can do the strategy and you built everything. So exactly. realize that too. I think the money thing though, Lisa, is a really, really key piece because for me, it was really hard to hire on people because I was like, oh my God, look at how much money I'm paying to do that. But then you have to sit down and you have to realize, okay, but I've got, I've gained literally 30 hours back in my week. That's 30 mm-hmm. hours I can spend doing other things. And as soon as I – so actually, it wasn't up until recently, maybe like a month or two ago, that I finally handed over all the last of the editing that I was still doing. There was a couple shows that was yours and there was Including one other mine. one. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yours and like two more maybe that I was still editing. And I wanted to do them because I love editing. Like I loved it. I loved editing your podcast. I was like, this is so great. And then our mutual friend Justin said, well, like, why don't you just listen to the podcast instead and give her a download? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that yeah, works. good idea. That works. Thank you. Good idea. <laughs> but as soon as I did that, I had other clients coming in being like, I want to upgrade my package or, hey, we used to work together a year ago. I want to come back in a different capacity in a different package. You know what I mean? And so like I always – I am someone who gets like I, – I get fearful of like, oh my God, am I going to lose it all? Like I, I'll be very honest with you. Like that is a fear that's in my mind all the time. And I think it's a reality. You know, when you're running an agency, you're – you have team members that are helping you bring your dream to life. Not only are you paying your bills, but you're also paying all of their bills and they have kids and they have families and they're relying on you, right? To feed their children. Like that is not a responsibility I take lightly. Like I'm like, what more can we do to make this all make sense? And so something that I think about all the time is just this idea of like, you know, yep, you're going to have to spend the money. But then when you spend the money, you create more space for new things to flow in and you give yourself time in your schedule to to try new things and to do different projects and you know to push boundaries in a different way. So that's kind of the stage I'm in now but it was not an overnight thing, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it takes a long time. And it's like the saying you have to spend money to make money. I know how cliche it is, but it actually is true. Whether that's a team member investing Mm -hmm. in yourself, investing in paid advertising programs, like whatever it is you do have to spend to make, but you said it right. It gives you 
it gives you other time to focus on other things. So whether that's not working so much in your business, now you have the time to work on your business. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many pros to actually doing it, but it is that leap for sure. Now I do have one other question for you. Now I want you to go back before you came to this leap. Okay. You are a night person. I get all your messages at nighttime. You like to work. And I'm the same way. I'm just, I could be working all the time. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, they're just in that work, 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 work mentality. But it's because, I don't know, well, for me, it's like, I like what I do. So might as well work and I can con continuously grow. But you can only do that for so long with that work-life balance. So how do you manage work-life balance at all in general? Okay, great question. So first, Lisa, I will say I don't really truly believe that work-life balance exists. I think that it's like an integration into your life. And I think that it's the same thing whether you're an entrepreneur, you're working in corporate, you have set hours that you want to work and you know there's an, an amount of time every single day that you're going to get your work done, right? As an entrepreneur, you have the blessing of being able to work whenever you want to. I happen to be more creative at night. I like to work better at night. And so I will. And at the same time, though, one thing that's that I love to do is not having to sit on my computer in the middle of the day if it's a beautiful day and I just want to be outside or if I have errands to run in the middle of the day or if I want to go to a doctor's appointment or like whatever, whatever it is, like I can schedule things in the middle of the day because then I just make the time back at night. And because I know exactly what the tasks are that I have to do every single day, I know how much time it's going to take me anyways. And so I, I kind of combination between time block different things in my calendar and make sure that the time is set aside for different things and different projects. And then on the flip side of it, I will, you know, I'll, 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 I'll work at night. And then one tip, if you are a night worker, like, like you and I are, one thing, one thing that I always do is schedule emails to send the next morning at 8 a.m. Otherwise, you create like a boundary struggle, I would say, like between clients because then clients will expect you to answer at night. Not all of them. And honestly, most of mine don't. But I don't ever want to set the expectation that like even though I'm working at night, that it's a time for a chat and that we can, you know, go through all the different things. If I can answer, I will. But I've learned how to put boundaries around my time in a way that supports having more of like a work-life balance. Like I won't answer client messages on the weekend. If it's urgent, then I will. But I have different policies and like protocols in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, you know, for example, if a client sends me a voicemail, a voice note on the weekend, I'm not going to answer it until Monday or Tuesday. But if they write, this message is very urgent, then I will go and I'll listen to it. So it's about putting the structure, I think, in place to putting the structure in place to support your life and the life that you want to have. The work is never going to end. The work will always be there and you're always going to have more and more work, right? So how do you structure your time in a way that is working for you mm -hmm. is how you yeah. get work-life balance. I love that. And it's like Brian and I were talking the other day about this because obviously Maddie, she's getting busier. Our daughter, she's getting busier and busier and busier throughout the day. So it's like, do we stress about the time that we can't work during the day because she needs her attention? Or should we appreciate the fact that, hey, we can spend the day with her and finish the stuff that we have to do at nighttime? But yeah. I do love what you said about the scheduling because, I mean, we can go all the time. We can always be working. We can always be sending messages. We can always be assigning tasks and stuff. So I do the same. I schedule all of my emails to go out the next morning. I actually wait until after 9 a.m. And then even if I have a message, so our project management system is Basecamp, if I have a message to send, 
they don't have a schedule feature yet. I'm going to say yet because I'm sure it's coming, but I actually pre-write the message and I'll just leave the tab open and then the morning that will come around, I'll open my computer, send, 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 send. So it's it's getting them in the frame of, okay, she works nine to five or whatever I'm available during the day, but I'm not necessarily working on their stuff. I may have done that the night before or continuously working on it that night. I like that. I like that a lot because I mean, you get messages from me at like, I sent you one last night at like 10 o'clock about just like here, here's the episode this week. You know what I mean? But then but it, it, I, I also feel like I pick and choose like based off of like who it is. Like I know that you guys yeah. aren't looking at it and I know that you're not expecting that I'm going to answer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, there absolutely. are people who do. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. I like that tip though. That's a really good tip. Yeah. It's just, I mean, we learned it from Justin. Like we have to set those boundaries. And if you don't set those boundaries, then you will have clients pushing the boundaries, I'm going to say, but they don't know what the boundaries are because you're doing the same thing. So exactly. give what you actually want to receive in return as well. That would be one big advice I can give you. But okay. honestly, Simona, thank you so much. You're you're a light. You sh- always are super open with everyone and everything that you're going through. So I appreciate you sharing more of the behind the scenes. I think it's really valuable to see what people actually do behind the scenes within their business. Because like I said in the beginning, we see all the glamorous stuff on the front end and we don't necessarily see you working at nighttime at 10, mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night doing the things. Mm-hmm. So thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Of course. And thank you so much for everyone who is listening. If you ever need just to chat about entrepreneurship, feel free to reach out to me, reach out to Simona. We have a wealth of experience over the years running an agency. So if you too are running an agency, maybe you're at that spot where you're a solopreneur and you're thinking about hiring a team or taking that next step with a VA, feel free to reach out to us at any point. But thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I hope you have a fantastic day and crush your week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for hanging out with me on this episode. I am so grateful that you show up each and every week. I hope these tips and tricks have brought you some new ideas and new inspiration for your business. If you love this conversation, let me hear it. Leave us a rating and review on the More Than Social podcast and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Share it with someone who you know needs this message and together, let's make an impact and let's make a business that we love. I'll see you next week. Thank you.